those licks right there. That was great. This is Who a, did that? I, this, it's a band called the Londoners or something the like Londoners. that. Londoners. I let our, our co-host that's not here right now, Caleb Fuddy, who is, uh, he's got, he's got a, um, his own venture called the Scouting Block. He basically videotapes young boys, I mean baseball players. Oh, cool. And then, uh, and then weird. flips it around, uh, and he has a connection for for scouts and uh, uh, college and pro. So we'll give a shout-out at the beginning of the show. This is Sweat Equity Podcast. I'm your host, Law Smith. I love Sweat Equity. So, that other voice, that sultry voice you hear on the other side, that's uh, Sam Tripoli, comedian extraordinaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punch drunk, Punch drunk Sports. Yeah, Punch Drunk Sports. I'm loving it. Uh, awesome show. I love listening to it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, man. Uh, and so – you were like, what is this podcast about? It's basically about, like, I don't like the Tim Ferriss style of, uh, I don't like those visionary kind of TED Talks where it's like, believe in yourself, visualize it, say it to yourself over and over again. Exactly, man. So it's like, it's like one of those things where that's not real pragmatic advice. Right. And sitting at the third mic uh, that might be silent uh, <laughs> is is another comedian friend, uh, Jennifer Hensley. I'm just going to be the stereotypical lady in radio i'm just gonna go that's mean guys that's mean <laughs> that's great that's, that's just mean and then giggle in the background Wee. yeah and then you'll ask me if i like anal okay that's usually how, it's, how it goes is that how the radio goes that's usually <laughs> how radio. What, radio, what radio are you doing yeah <laughs> i dropped the f-bomb the other day on, on uh, mike's okay. show i was like oh no i felt so bad i take pride in not saying that because i dropped the f-bomb literally all the time. Wait, are we? Are we? Is this, oh is yeah, we're going. Show? Are we allowed to swear? Oh, do whatever you want. We totally Should swear. I not have said anal? No, you can't say no. anal. Right. We're just like, what radio show are you talking about anal on? What are you doing, serious? It's just. It happens, man. Sometimes we overanalyzed your joke. So, we overanalyzed. Sometimes yeah, it's a Freudian slip. You know, yeah. it wasn't even yeah. asked, and it just comes up. She, but. So, so basically, this show is like you wanted to do something. How did you get there? And sometimes I, I like that kind of minutiae stuff. I like that, like, hey, I got up at 6 a.m. every morning and I, you know, went for a walk, listened to classical music and wrote down my goals for the day and the week. That kind of stuff, I think, is. Look, I do believe that stuff. Like, so what you you're we were just talking off air before we started that you grew up in upstate New York. Uh, yes. And. I don't want to go down the route of like a WTF interview because that's been kind of fucked out, kind of like, you know, give me your whole comedic kind Talk of background. Talk to me about it. You were born. What was the first six months like? Like, I don't, I don't, not, and nothing against that. That's just been overdone with a lot of podcasts. Well, I kind of like the hustle. I like the stuff where I've known you since, I don't know, I, I saw you before we kind of knew each other in like 07 or 08. Back in the day. Can you believe back in the day is 2007? I know. Is that when That's you were crazy. at the improv was 2007? So I saw, I saw Sam at the Melrose Improv in Hollywood right when the financial crisis shit was about to go down. And he got up and did like 10 minutes off the – he just riffed about we're all doomed. We're all doomed. We're all fucked. And I was like, this is amazing. This is awesome. This is one of the best things I've seen. And I was sitting in the back. I was like a, a JIT comic. I'm like only been doing it three years out there. And so I would just sit in the back of – comedy clubs all the time and just kind of absorb never steal but absorb no i get that dude yeah i think it's very important that you sit there and you watch what other people are doing i you know a big problem i have right now is that i can't watch people's specials right because i don't want to get influenced well now it's it, it there's a crest though at a certain point 
Like, you need to do that when you're a young comic. You need to do that when you really want to be a, a comedian and you're doing right. open mics and you're not getting real gigs. Uh, you need to sit in the back and learn. Right. But at a certain point, now you have your own voice and now you don't want to. Yeah, I do. But I like that. Like, for me, man, the only thing I want to know is, like, how do people start their sets? That's all that matters to me. I'm, like, so. Since the, I've been doing comedy almost like 20 years, man, I've been obsessed with how people start their set. It's such a weird thing for me because, and we'll, and we'll get into whatever you want to talk about, but no, no, it's like for me it. walking yeah. on stage, it is literally the hardest part of my set. I have such an <laughs> unusual look. I'm not like most people when they walk up on stage, you know what they're going to talk about. And that is, you can't tell me that that doesn't, Hell, like I know what Gabriel Iglesias is going to talk about, and and I think he's a wonderful comic. I think he's a yeah. great comic. I don't think he gets enough respect sure. for the type, how how great of a writer he is. Maybe he does. He sells out stadiums, so maybe. But I feel like from his peers, maybe he doesn't get the respect. Not that nobody likes him, but it's just like he doesn't get the respect for how great of a writer I think he really is. I know what you're trying to say like if people are talking about like who's hot right now in comedy, he's not really brought up. Yeah. But if you sat in the room with him, you'd like him. I always I've heard he's a great guy. Oh, like, I hear he helps out so many people. He's like anybody he thinks is like kind of un known they've got he'll he'll shoot their special for them like he'll fund yeah they're special but you know who he is when he's walking up right you can almost like i can pretty much guess what somebody's act's gonna be when they walk up on stage right i don't think that's me oh and i think that i have a weird kind of darkness to me when i walk on stage that is like i've been told i'm very dark which is a weird thing because i, I try to be i try to help anybody all the time as much as I possibly can. Obviously by my, my movements and change.org, I'm constantly trying to help my fellows and he's uh, trying to feel good about putting petitions up on change.org. <laughs> something we started before, before we started this recording, uh, you feel like slacktivism is the way to yeah, go. That's really what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so I'm consumed with how people start their act. I love how the watch it. I love like how, like, well, you, you famous know, people are, and how n people who don't know who the, how they started off, and it's like it's always interesting. To yeah. Me. Do you start? I, I'm trying to remember how you usually start. Do you start soft, or do you just get right into it? I I'm enough with the remember. anal questions. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Welcome to <laughs> anal with Jennifer. Stop it, guys! You're being mean to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I try to, I try to start soft yeah. sometimes i don't sometimes i like just like the rack people but i try to start soft and just kind of play with the room and have fun especially when i'm headlining like i was talking to my friend gareth reynolds who's like one of my favorite comics working and we uh he was like going on the road and i was kind of talking about how like doing the road is much different than doing like a, a, your power sets in los angeles which are like 10 to 15 minutes and it's just all about your jokes just like <laughs> You're just trying to rack as much as you can within a within a ten to fifteen minute set. You know, it's not about getting to know you. There's not enough time. Well, you're talking so a lot, I, and I'll try to find through lines in like business and uh, and startup stuff. Is like you're talking about first impression essentially. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this. You're not going to get offended, but it's not like you're a huge name, right? So right. it's like sometimes it, I here's how I always feel about it and why why starting is interesting. And I agree, it's always an audition. So how am I going to get the point across that who I am, what I'm about in under 30 seconds? So yes. what's, what's that first thing I'm going to say? And you riff as well. I riff too. So it's like, you're like, all right, well, this could just go any which way. This is yeah. like a find your own or choose your own adventure book. And it could be like you, like we did the show Thursday and you got up and you went hard 
and the crowd was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like that's just that's a little aggressive. Like, yeah. You're like a, a walking, talking monster energy drink. Well, you know why? Because I got off stage and everybody who got off stage kind of had this look of what the fuck just happened there. You know, I like I looked at I looked at Mikey got off stage and he's so fucking funny. He's like. What the fuck is up with this crowd? And I'm like, oh, it was God. fun. I thought the crowd was fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. He was just gave me this look of just like weirdness. So I went up there and I, I did go a little hard because I get so excited sometimes. Sure. That that- I just want to start racking people. You know, and but people do, do you, people do, you, do this in the in the conference room too. Sometimes you're you're doing a presentation, or you're you're giving a speech, or you're getting that that startup funding money, and you're so jacked and you're ready to go, and you come out of the gate like you have Tourette's almost, like oh shit, I have forty things to say, and I got to get this out. Right, like, right, right. Like you almost have a SWAT team that's gonna blow up the building if you don't get these things out in like under three minutes. And I, you're sitting in the back and you're walking the room. I saw you kind of. You got to observe. You got to see how this crowd is when the feature's up. Same thing in business. You have to see what's the setting like. You walk in a place and you go, "All right, this is kind of a really quiet, calm place. This might be a Christian company. We don't really know." So, we've got to play it a little bit cooler, but sometimes you come out of the gate and do the antithesis of that and that Sometimes it works. It's I can see you in a boardroom just going around getting everybody clapped. Yeah. What you're like weird kind of like. Oh, yeah. Jane Jackson microphone. Oh, yeah. Like microphone. Guys, Slap who's chop. ready to sell? Get it going. Come on. Everyone's like, what is going on here? You guys yeah. ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is definitely true. Which is definitely true. I uh, Yeah, just like it's such a weird thing. And I got to be, I'm just, since we're being honest, like I always feel when I'm at this club, it's an audition to do it again. The Tampa Improv. Yes. Yeah. It's always an audition on whether it's going to... Like, I have certain clubs. I know no matter what happens, I'm coming back. What? You know, there's just like I have those certain clubs I've been playing for years, and they'll always have me back, and they know it's either going to be pure rock and roll or it's going to get weird, and they, they accept it because the room's packed. Yeah, and you build those relationships over time. It didn't happen that way the first time you were there. You go to Vegas a lot. You do a lot of Vegas uh, gigs. Yeah. You lived in Vegas for a while, right? Yeah, I loved it. And so started. And so like uh you have those relationships now, but when you were first kind of getting there, it wasn't like, Oh yeah, yeah, they'll have me back no matter what. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I your average club owner and manager, they're they're wonderful people, but they tend to like more mainstream stuff. Yeah. You know, they, they tend to be more into the mainstream comedy because it's a little safer. Sure. And I like I mean like uh, people think I, I, I try to be a shot comic. I'm really not. I'm just being honest on say I like to be. I just I, tell it like it is. I, I mean, it sounds crazy, but it really, like, I have a, a bit about smoking crack. I haven't done it here yet because mm-hmm. it hasn't been the right crowd yet. But uh, Well, you're in Ybor City. I think this is the right yeah. crowd. Well, I think it's time to do it tonight. I've been yeah. going, I've been only doing 45. I'm used to doing, like, an hour 15, you know, and I'm just having fun with it. But late, I've been, like, kind of just feeling it out, but... Every club I do, from with the exception of Mitzi Shore. Yeah. Actually, Tammy Bronson's the same way, too. She owns a couple clubs, and she owns this great club in Edmonton. And So Mitzi Shore is the owner of, I'm gonna, of the I'm Comedy gonna, Store. This isn't like a comedy nerd crowd, so i got to interject yeah, some yeah, of the... Yeah, yeah. The Comedy owns, Store is owned by the, the legendary comic uh, comedian, comedy club owner, Mitzi Shore. Yeah. And, she loved it if you just went up there and had a weird one. And she just, as long as she saw you were working on shit, she's really cool about that. You know, and I right. was kind of spoiled by working there. And like, you leave the comedy store, you think everywhere is the comedy store. And it's not necessarily always the comedy store. And there's a little more science to everything that needs to be done. And so I basically, uh, so it's, it's just an, I like just honesty, man. I just like everything that's honest. I think everybody, I think there's a, there's a, everyone's got a secret. 
about some weird shit they're into. Ooh. You know, right. I think everyone's got I think if you're like 35 and you don't have a secret, you you're just a pussy, man. You're just a giant <laughs> pussy and you're lying. You're either lying or you're a pussy. Wait a minute. Hold on. If you're 35, let me yeah. get this, let me get the criteria. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you haven't got to a certain point in age where you don't don't have something weird that you're into that you you just don't want to tell anybody, like you're just weird. I just I think you're like a fucking freak. I think that everybody's into something and you should and if we were just more honest with you, weird shit wouldn't go on. You wouldn't have gay guys going into religion, you know, and becoming a priest because they're so ashamed that they're gay. If they could just be themselves, we'd have less of that weird shit going on. We'd have less, you know, Republicans uh striking down gay laws and just why being totally gay, you know? It's just like it's just why can't we be honest about being weird? I've I agree. How more transparency. Thirty-one. Okay, so you got four more years to come up with. I, I don't know. I'm con- in the. We talked about this Thursday night. Like Sam was talking about, he kind of he he kind of goes in both worlds a lot of the time with not the gay community. Like, <laughs> but like the. Um, I'm you know, weird, dude. You're doing stand up, but you're also writing, and people probably don't know the writing side of you. Yeah. Uh, whereas I, I I love do I love small business consulting. Like I love it, and I love stand up. And those two worlds are kind of merging a little bit, but like, that's the weird thing of me, I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have like a thing, a fetish, or like step on, you know, some eggshells and I'll get a boner. And like, no, maybe well, it doesn't not. even have to be sexual. No, I know, no, I know. I went, yeah. I went hyperbolic for fun, right, but it's fine. But I'm saying like, <laughs> but I'm saying like, you know, are you the uh, hyperbolic podcast of record? Like, I feel like you use that more in your podcast than anybody else. I, I'm just spitballing here, but I feel like I've never used that word ever. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You use it a lot? Yeah. Hyperbolic? You're like, oh. Yeah. It's but sometimes I say hyperbolic. Yeah. yeah. I, don't I don't know. know. I don't I, know what the Look, I'm not. I'm a math guy. I'm not a. I'm not a. You're a, a number language. cruncher. I like that. Yeah. I wish I was. Yeah. It's. It's it's a good thing to have, but it, it sucks because you can't turn that off. Just like stand up, you can't turn off like observing a lot of shit, which makes you good at consulting in a way. Because all we do is walk around and go, "Why the fuck is that that?" And like, oh, that's cool. And then you obsess over it. So it actually it actually helps a lot. My least favorite thing in comedy is when people are like, "I only work an hour or two a night," and I'm like, "Fuck that." That's the other way around. You work all the time because your head can't shut off. There's right. a reason you have to have that that lonely six pack. Uh, to go to sleep after a show in the shitty hotel in Poughkeepsie, New York, or whatever. Is it New York? Yeah. Uh, and you have to just ride that out. 100%, dude. It's uh, it's very – I, you know, some people are like, oh, you're a comic. It's great. It's like, you know, you just got to work an hour or not. I'm like, nah, dude. No. It is like nine to – most people have nine to five. I have literally, when I, I'm not lying to you, a 24-7 job. It's like the only time I'm not working on my career is – is uh, when I'm sleeping, and I if I could do it, then I would do it too. It's like I don't, Im- I don't imagine you sleep very well. I don't. Well, she was she's asking me what, what time do you get up today? I get up every three hours, and I freak out like what the fuck's going on. And Sweet. Then I go back to sleep, we and know. I wake up. What the fuck? What am I doing? I should be doing. And then I go back Did to you, sleep. There's a scientific reason for that, actually. Why? Because when you're sleeping, you go through the same sleep cycle throughout the night, so it's usually every two or three hours. Because I wake up every two hours. But that's just the way the sleep cycle goes. Mm. Yeah, I know. Once in a while, I'll bang out an eight hour and I'll feel like a million dollars. But for the most part, I'm constantly thinking what's going on. So, like, I, I do all the, uh, you know, writing down what I want to get done and all that stuff. Like, every day it's working on something. It's like, 
I usually write on projects every day. I'm doing like three different projects. So I'll write on three different projects a day, like treatments yeah. and, and, and that that's project management too. It's it, cause you're, you're doing four different things concurrently. So it's like right now for our company, we have 13 current projects and I have 10 in, in the hopper probably about to, to convert over to current work. They're, I'm, I'm trying to contextualize this a little bit right. in that business kind of mindset because all this stuff is related. Like, I hate it when comedians are like, "Man, fuck!" Like they they don't think they are a business and they are a business. That's what's insane. And so, you are not you're writing a lot of content, but you're also project managing a lot of this stuff. So yes, it, it, you go from concept to it being pushed out there, whatever the exit is, depending right. on if you're a producer. Or if you're just the writer and you're giving it to a, a, a producer to write right. notes and give it back to you, right? So you have to be able to take notes. That's another thing. Yeah. Um, but you, it's hard to kind of compartmentalize your head when you're doing all these projects. Oh, it is. It is. It's uh, crazy because you have you're spinning plates. You're just spinning 19 plates, and the plates can't fall. And you just got to keep. Moving, keep moving. And the biggest thing, and, and then we'll get back to whatever format you want. I, feel I don't. Like we don't I really hijacked your no, no, show. No, no, no. We don't. I really, do that in podcasts a lot. I'm like, okay, here's what I want to talk no, about. No, we don't really. Podcast. We don't really have a format other than we just want to see. And this might be more of a study of how your brain works than actually like, well, what? what how did you start out in open mind? Well, I, like, I mean, I'll get into that. No, too, we don't have man. to. We, like, it's whatever. Because it's a, it's it's. I you know, my dad didn't give me a lot. I love my dad. Mm -hmm. He's not perfect. You know, I'm not perfect. My dad's not perfect. We won't get too much into that. But he didn't give me a lot. But he did give me a couple things. One, my sense of humor. And two, my work ethic. You yeah. know, it's like I I may not be as far as some. And I may not. And I've made some bad decisions. I got that from my dad. But I made some bad decisions. But yeah. I will not be outworked. I will work every. You know, it's like back in the day, I used to do something called What Would Whitney Do? Right? You know, Whitney Cummings. Yeah. Like as much... I think like people are kind of over the Whitney bashing, but there was a small time where there was this window of like everyone bashing comedian actress Whitney Cummings, and because she's producer of Two Broke Girls and Undateable, right? <gasps> I don't know. Did she produce Undateable? I didn't hear that. I thought so, right? I know she. I'll look I, it up. She's co-creator of Two Broke Girls, which is the first show in the history of television to ever be syndicated before its first episode ever came out, which basically means. Uh, a company bought the rights to play it on, let's say, like Nick at Night or the USA or whatever it is. It's like, and that's a huge thing. That's a that's your exit strategy when you're doing a sitcom. Is like you want to get that hundred hundred episodes, hundred episodes, and no one gets that picked up. Like it's almost unheard of, it, it, especially in today and age with all the options you have. It's so hard to get to a hundred episodes. But she got boom. But, you know, it's like the thing about Whitney is Whitney works so hard. Like Jeffrey Ross said about it was like she she did 10 years of work in five years, you know, and that's kind of my option is like I was a stand up. Com you know, I am a stand up comic. I, I was very more art than business. I only believed in the show, not show business. Right. And then like a, like at the beginning of the year this year, my attitude kind of changed. And I did this tour with my friend called the Man Heat Tour. And we did like uh, two weeks in a row. We did the Northeast. We went right in the middle of that giant storm that was going through where oh, they were yeah. like going to be like the worst storm ever. We were right in the middle of that, man. A lot of heat. Uh, we had to bring the heat because everybody was cold. And we did really well, man. I was pretty impressed with the numbers we had. Like, you know, again, for two guys that aren't super well known, you know, 
we we had some good numbers. Like I I have a sneaky underground following. You know, I'm not like a, a Rogan or anything like that, but I, I'll come into town and I'll actually be impressed with how many people actually came because they listen to my podcast or stuff like that. So we did we did pretty well, but I realized, man, it's just like, it's all about famous people. People just want to see like famous people. You yeah. Know? And it's uh, it, whether... Former SNL stars starting to headline uh, and comedy said, clubs and you're like, did they even do stand-up? And it's, and it's like, weird because the the experience isn't going to be as good, but they, they get so excited about seeing famous people. They're like, yeah. oh my God, I saw him. You're like... And I always tell him, like, the guy that you don't know is probably the funniest dude because he's so funny they had to give him a weekend. Yep. You know, it's like he's earned that through just killing rooms. It's just he may not. I call it the Elvis factor. Some people have the Elvis factor. Some people don't. Yeah. You know, and it's mm-hmm. just like, can you get people to worship at your altar? You might be more of a Willie Nelson. You uh, might not crest until you're 60. No, I may be of a Tom Waits. Like, you know, unless you're like a really oh, let's have huge. Someone good, though. Let's, let's <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. Like, you may not like, but he's like. Within musicians, yeah. he's completely he's, yeah. and utterly respected. I know, I know. I just, you I know, can't. it's just like it's its own fuck. It's like it's a, you might be that guy who crushes so hard that only your peers like appreciate what you're doing, and that's fine, man. It's like at least somebody likes you. You'll be a Tom Petty. How about that? I'll, I'll take anything at this point. <laughs> who do you guys think someone's like? What? Name like underrated? Well, I think that. Sam's one of the more underrated right. comedians in the country. It's like uh, I've seen him a bunch, obviously, but it's like. You you, uh, I'll listen to the interviews you're on. You you don't walk through it. You're into it. Like you're into this right now. Yeah. yeah. Like uh-huh. jacked up. You were asleep no less than an hour ago probably, and you're just like ready to go because you're like, it, and you're doing this on a Saturday. You don't have to do this. So there's there's. Oh, that, you're my friend. Yeah, no, but that's the other work ethic part of this. Like you could just be like, hey man, I don't really feel like it. You know, let's just go fucking watch X Men or something like that. But it's like, uh, you know, you're you're doing you're going out of the comfort zone to do this so that a is that that's the work ethic but b like it, it just may take a while it's the ron white kind of stuff where he didn't really like until he, he was foxworthy's opener forever but and he was big in texas but it didn't really crack oh until dude, yeah he was living with his mom when they when they blew up and he's at the comedy store now and yeah I, and i love i love watching him i love his style i love all that but it is this weird kind of thing so i do that tour and i realize things change so I, I used to be very take everything like I just invested my heart and soul in the, every single thing I did. Yeah. Which is good in one way, but I, I just think in the environment of comedy right now, it's not the best way to operate. It's like for me, it's just like you can't um, take every project you do and make it personal. It's I mean, you put all you work hard on it and you do your best. But I mean, within within comedy, it's all about just throwing as much shit against the wall, yeah. hoping something would stick. Like I had this naughty show forever and that was my baby. And I was just like, I'm going to get this on TV. And it was just like and it, it was all I focus on. Managers like come up with something else. I'm like, no, this, this is, is it. This is where I heard about you getting set, your face sat on by a stripper or something. Oh, yeah. A dude. porn star. Yeah. For those who don't know, oh, the no, naughty no, show that was a different story. And uh, I tell that story on stage and I just watch people stare at me. But <laughs> I. Again, it goes back to this this real thing. I did this show in in uh, Newport, uh, Dana Point, and this girl heckled me. That's uh, that's south of L.A., north of uh, San Diego. If you've never been there, which most people haven't, it's this like hidden Shangri-La of hot people. Like the, everybody's yeah. rich and good looking. I yep. mean, the Southern California is basically, in my opinion, a, 
a government experiment mm-hmm. in breeding hot people. I'm down. Like people move to LA, try to make it, doesn't work out, so they start moving more and more south and yep. just good looking people humping good looking people and then it's just like we're like seven generations into smoking hot people hooking up. Yeah. And it's just another level then, of human being. You're like, God damn and then Temecula is like the the offshoot. That's the reject pile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's a little like hot. A little, yeah. It's not great. It's uh, a little shady over there. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're the, the, the you can go if you're a five or six to Temecula. <laughs> yeah. You can't be, you got to be nine or eight in like Newport mm. Beach. You look at these people, they're like in stunning New- human beings. Newport's oh, amazing. God country, dude. It really yeah. is God country. Yeah. So I was doing this show and this girl walked in. She was like an LA 10 and like a legit LA 10. And she was just shit faced. She'd broken up with her girlfriend. I do a whole bit about, you know, <laughs> lipstick lesbians and, uh, and she wouldn't shut up, and I was just hit because she was actually heckling a good friend of mine who who's since passed away, Angelo Bowers. And it was oh, his, dude, that guy was monster, man. I I only knew him through Twitter, and I was like, this guy's amazing, dude. You know, every Gerard Carmichael's got a television show right now, but he was like in that group. It was like the yeah. two of them were gonna blow up, and yep. he he was loved by. Anyways, see, I'm watching him. It's his first road gig, and he's getting heckled. By this like gorgeous woman, and he doesn't know what to do, and she's just doing flyby uh, Instagram, and there wasn't Instagram then, but it was like Instagram attention horse stuff, like mm-hmm. walking up and hey, with her big rack, and I was like, if, uh, and that's half the reason I walk around, I, I start seeing who's trouble, yep, because yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna lock and load on you, right? Lock the room, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like who is gonna? I, they don't even know what they're getting into. So I'm watching. I'm like, you're like a teacher girl? at a middle school dance. That's kind of how you have to walk around. You're chaperone, like, what the fuck's Mr. going chaperone, on? Chaperone, I walk here. around. Right. My, my fist on the about side to get on stage and ruin this shit. <laughs> For someone, someone's about to get fucking dealt with. Well, you know, it's like hecklers are so interesting because I tell young comics, like, just think of a heckler as a first time open micer. Yes. They have no clue what they're doing. They just want to be funny and they don't know how to be funny. They're the funniest guy in their golf group or they're the funniest. I'm the chick that tells it like it is and we're f- hammered. Uh, the the reputation, that's why I texted you last night. How would the early Friday show go? Because if that was crazy, the Friday Late Show, for those that don't know anything about comedy, that is the notorious show of a weekend slate when you're doing it. Oh, yeah. I'm putting out a double album. And one is just me. Just I was trying to record an album, realized they're all shit face. And for like an hour, I just ripped these people new assholes. And it's going to be a double album. The diabolical, and then the other one's got to be called Friday Late Show, right? I, love that. I just shit on people the whole that. time, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of the few guys putting out albums still, but I, I'm gonna work on an hour special next. But the point is, so this girl, like, to go back to the story you've heard, yeah. she heckles me. I start racking her, just racking her, and she's like, starts acting like she's gonna moon me, and I, I tell her like, hey, don't, don't. Don't write a check. Don't let your ass write right. a check you can't cash. And she goes, what? Sit, th- Lay down. I go, what? She goes, lay down. And I lay down. She p- got naked and she sat on my face. And that was the story. And if I would have let them film it, I would have been huge by now. But I said, put the phones away. Put the Fuck. phones away. Because my, you know, my girlfriend at the time would not have been happy about that. But then I think about how big Jim Jeffries got off of just being cracked in the face. Mm, mm. <clears throat> I forgot about that. Yeah, fuck. And not that he. I mean, he's obviously a great comic. No, no, but, no, but yeah, you know, that, like that. It just takes something to launch you. Yeah. Like my buddy Sean Helping got big off that fat shaming video. 
Like, yeah. The girl. He's, he's hilarious. I remember him when I first started in L.A. He's hilarious. He's an underrated guy, too. That guy just grinds, bro, and he's such a funny dude. And he, you know, he's got his video, and he did a retort to her her uh, fat-shaming video, which wasn't yeah. funny at all. This, right. She's just, like... It's so funny. She's like, I'm just getting this because I'm a woman. If I wasn't, a, I'm like, if you weren't a woman, we wouldn't be talking about you right now. The fact that you're just some blonde with huge tits is the only reason this is a, all an issue. And then every picture of hers, like we're in some like penthouse, we're on all four shot with her. She has a shirt She's on, but her junk's hanging though, out. Right? Well, yeah. Oh, I have this whole thing with Esther Koo. Have you ever heard of Esther Koo? Yeah. Like she goes crazy. She went crazy on me one time on this podcast. Really? Yeah. Because uh, she lives in Miami, I think. And I think she's New York. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I only know her. But she ends her set with finger blasting herself. She literally fingers herself while she does uh, her dates where she's going to be. And I'm like. Oh, yeah. I've I'm heard a, that. And I'm going to hear about how it's so hard to beat a woman in, in comedy. It's, it's like, what are you talking about? I Yeah, I heard. I think I listened to her on Chrysler's podcast. And she did that. And I was like, what the. F this is cool. <laughs> I bet it's, it's. This is. It's. Amazing. It's easy. It's easy shit. But then don't cry about how hard it is to be a woman. So that was where that is. I like chaos, dude. Yeah. I love chaos. I live for chaos. You, lo you love, you were saying you love walking around Ybor City, which is like Tampa's Bourbon Street, because now everybody that listens to this is kind of in this area and knows it. So it's it's kind of, it's a it's the 7th Avenue is here, like 6th Street in Austin or, or Bourbon Street, and it's just fucking chaos. Like uh, Friday and Saturday nights out here, there's a goddamn uh, baby stroller that has a huge goddamn snake i hate snakes so much i hate snakes too dude. and i owned a snake for a short time and nothing was worse than feeding it i hated doing it i gave it i lasted for about six months i'm like i can't do it Why'd dude because i thought it would be cool at enough that with time. the anal all right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna keep going back to that what about uh, the guy who took a shit in the, the, that's our callback for the, the, yeah. the, 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 uh, an anaconda went up the toilet and bit him in the nuts uh like no, recently really? yeah I always think dude they show the picture legend. of the picture of the anaconda through the toilet seat it was cgi just like that you alligator. just think at the alligator cgi you think you trust nothing no no there's another there's another alligator uh video the next day oh, and the they saw it alligator? again yeah it's a real alligator what does it eat that big what does it eat everything yeah. just anything birds dogs yeah that's what it'll eat a dog yeah. yeah you think they're gonna kill try kill it I no. think they have to, don't they? No. Like if they catch it, I don't know my if they. I don't. Th I don't know if you can legally. Well, my understanding. Why is should they kill it though? Because, because there's so many alligators now that they can actually cause problems. My understanding. Let it eat the other alligators. <laughs> yeah. There's a video of that. Do you ever see that video where the big alligator eats the little alligator? Um, no, but I will. I will after this. It's a CGI too. Um, you don't trust anything. <laughs> my understanding was that if if you catch an alligator and it's a certain size. You actually have to kill it, and then they sell the meat and the skin and whatever. This sounds like a setup. I, was th I no, thought no, this no, was going to be a setup no, for no, no, a Florida no. joke. No, and like <laughs> no, this is what I heard. This is what I heard. And I know they do that in Louisiana. Well, let's not follow size, what they do. It. Yeah, let's not do anything Louisiana does. Though, so, uh, gators aside, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're writing, the, you're writing this, this crux of like, you're doing a lot of projects, but you feel like you're kind of spinning your wheels a bit, and you're trying to... Sometimes we're talking to people right in the middle of like what they're trying to figure out. Not like you're in a crossroads bone thug style, but like <laughs> you're you're like we were talking the other night. It's like what do I you're trying to figure out. It seems like comics always have the the uh, intros 
introspective kind of uh, thoughts, but sometimes they're not good introspective thoughts, meaning that you're really trying to think about it as your own manager in a way. What would my own, if I could take part of myself and be my own manager, what would that be? And going like, fuck it, man, I just need it. I'm going to do an hour. I need to have this other hour out there. Uh, My thing with that is like, there's so many hours now. What do you do? Like, how do you set yourself apart? Uh, I, I don't know if you do. I mean, yeah. it's just the truth is it's like they're giving people the hours <clears throat> that yeah. aren't even national headliners. They've, they're not good. They've done 30 minute sets and it's like an hour is a whole different monster. It's yeah. like it's it's uh, it's it's an hour isn't about your jokes. An hour is about you and an experience of you and understanding what you are in a weird way. An hour is a one man show. And some people don't get that. And they think I have an hour. Yeah. That doesn't mean it needs to be a special. Oh, yeah. You know? But I think people now don't look at them as specials. They look at them as ours, you know? And there's a big difference there. And some people, it helps. Some people, it hurts. I feel like some people, it hurt their... I mean, not not that their career's in trouble or anything, but it, 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 it made it harder for them to get a following. I feel like people watched it and they're like, Ugh, you know? Yeah. Because for me, an hour, when you put out a special, you're not going to get everybody. But you're supposed to get the people you're supposed to get. Does that make sense? Like the people who normally wouldn't know of you that would be into you right. are supposed to watch going, oh, I love that. Yeah. But if you put it out too early, you're not going to get any of them. Right. And it's I think it hurts in the long run. But it just goes back to suits who are just – they're brand builders. Yeah. And they don't care about this, the uh, respect of an hour. And right. it's nothing against them. They're just trying to make a dollar. But they're just like, I'm going to put this guy up, give him an hour. We're going to put it on Netflix and we're going to go from there. And it will just keep the ball rolling. When in the long run, it probably wasn't the best idea. It almost seems like the producers, the play, where you're like, we'll just throw It doesn't matter what it is. We're going to throw it up and we're going to make money. Yeah. So it's just like we don't. Not that Netflix isn't like, I think we're kind of dancing around Netflix a little bit. I I don't care. I'll say it because I ain't gonna be on there. But uh, you don't know. <laughs> uh, Not with that attitude, Mister. Well, you could even talk shit about Netflix. They probably like it because they, they like being called out for for what they're doing. That's why they're good. They they make their own competition. They are the name. Uh, they are the brand of excellence of that genre of entertainment. Right, and they, we were talking about Netflix a little bit ago before we started. And it was like. Yeah, they they think about themselves like Mark Cuban talks about, which is uh, you always have to think of your business as there's going to be competitors coming at you. And I always kind of think about being content with your business or creative endeavor is that's the worst word in business. Like we're good. It's like jokes. Jokes never they're never really done. Right. So like, well, the worst is when you record an album and then you get this great tag for a bit and you're like. Ah, oh, fuck, man. Is that joke done? Do you take that joke and throw it away? Yeah. Because right now there's an arms race in comedy. <clears throat> yeah. Where everybody feels they got put out an hour every year. And I just don't think no. everybody, and even a lot of the guys who are the bigger names who are putting out an hour every year, I don't feel like they're doing themselves a service by putting out an hour. Because as great as your hours in a year, it'll be. I really do believe in two years it'll be better. Sure, and sure. There's some people who can put out an hour and it really crushed. Like Joe Rogan could put out an hour and it really fucking is good shit. Like he's a great, his, his riffs are like really, really well thought out. So even when it's a riff he's doing, it's still a pretty polished bit. Uh, but there's a lot of guys rushing to put it out. And I was doing that too. Like I put out an album two years ago, did really well. 
So now I got this other one that I got to start editing and putting out. Um, when do you think it's going coming out? Well, I'm going to listen to it again tonight. The problem is the guy who recorded didn't do a great job recording the audience. And oh, yeah. We were talking about this. Yeah. So that sucks. It does suck because it takes a little the ambiance of the of the room yeah. as you're performing. Because I listen to my other ones and it's crush fest. And you listen to this one and the jokes are great. Yeah. But there's not that laugh in the back. Part of me wants to take it a weird sitcom, canned laughter, and load it through the back of it and just have it be like. Like Saved by the Bell. Just be like. The guy who recorded this didn't record the audience. It's fuck it, have fun, enjoy it, and put it out. You just you make can't. it this weird ass album. Try that. Try that with a track and see how that goes. Well, of course, I'm not gonna do a whole thing and then realize it sucks. Canned laughter. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but going back to what we were talking about earlier is that I ha- I learned that you can't you can't personalize every bit, meaning every every project I'm doing. So now I'm just writing projects and just pitching them. And if it goes, it goes, if it doesn't, it doesn't like, and you know what else I'm working on? And I'm not, this is going to sound so stupid. You're like, duh. Sex change. Yes. Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to cut my dick off. Okay. I am not writing shows necessarily that I want to see on TV or that I would like to be in, but I'm writing shows that I think, the industry wants and that sounds stupid that sounds like duh it's tough you should do that but it's like me embracing the biz of show biz because i was all show and that's all i ever wanted to do yeah i didn't care about i'm not good i'm very i have a crippling social anxiety it's very hard for me to like network with people i get in oh 100 percent dude I cannot hang out. I figured you'd be good in the room. If you if you were brought in a meeting, you'd if be I, really good. If I go in a meeting, like, oh, I meet with you guys, I'll right. light it up. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of, like, going somewhere, like, an industry, like, meet and greet, yeah. no, never happening. Going to hang out somewhere where it's, oh, blah, blah, blah's birthday, and everyone's never happening. But, but you can walk around Ebor though, because that terrifies, like, that's the kind of, like, we were talking because about. Because I'm not talking to anybody. <laughs> I'm just, just observing, just, yeah. and I'm just walking. He's in That's a zoo. That's makes our social anxiety different. I just can't be around just, just that many people in general. Oh, I'm not There's big on too groups. too much chaos. Like, I could do, like, I'll go see a band. I like that, but as long as I'm all by myself. like Yeah. yeah. But the, 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 the point of that whole thing is, like, <clears throat> I focus more on just writing all these ideas I think they want. Like, you know, it's like, what do I think is hot right now? How can I pitch something like that? And it works, man. It's like. I got, you know, I got a bunch of stuff going. I got something at Comedy Central going with Al Magical, and I have these other projects that... Who's awesome. I love Al. Oh, Al. Al, Al I want to write a book one time, right? Okay. And I want to interview each part of making it in show business. Yeah. Each level, the guy I feel like mastered that the most. Yeah. Like, what did they do? And each chapter is a different person talking about that aspect of making it and what they did and how they did it. And one, you know, it's like, and Al's your utility player. Like, cause he could probably give, I feel like he did really well in all aspects. He is, he is the total package. He is the five tool player in terms of doing like trying to make an L like he, like, I don't want to give away his stuff, but he, he, the things that he has going on that nobody knows about. Yeah. That he doesn't tell anybody except for me when he calls me up and brags to me all the time. And, and I'm very thankful for it. I, I love Al. He's helped me out a lot of times. But the things that he's done, like he got asked to do by the 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers, yeah. to roast all the NFL owners. 
They had a private thing for the CEOs and all the, all the corporate people from all the major sponsors of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Plus all 32, I think it is, owners yep. of the NFL teams. Yeah. He had to roast them. That's that's He's, not easy. That's not a fun crowd necessarily. Oh, it's a suicide mission. You ju- you know, it's like there's certain gigs, but there's certain people who can do them well. Yeah. You know, like well, billionaires typically don't have the best sense of humor when you make fun of them. Oh yeah, and they're you know they're super. Alpha. Robert Kraft's not like oh sweet thanks oh, thanks yeah, a lot. Oh, you're right. My my I'll girlfriend is sixty years younger than me. <laughs> yeah. That's a good ah good point. <laughs> Way you point it out in front of all my peers. Thank you so much. Uh, he was sitting at the, a table with Les Moonves. Yep. The guy who runs Viacom. CBS. Yeah. Viacom, yeah. Uh, the woman who's in the CEO of Pepsi, she was there. And uh-huh. just Robert Kraft was at his thing. Like, he's hanging out with all these people. Like, that's what he does. When when Viacom has a pitch conference, yeah. he's the guy they go to. Yeah. he's Like, he, he's in the mill. Well, he's a super smart dude, and I listened to his story, and I, I like it because he is the mixture of a – a businessman and and comedy. He is showbiz, but he he's figured out because he ran his family's business while doing stand up, and I just like any anybody that hustles. I don't want to hang out with anybody like even hearing the story or just hanging out with people that are just like, well, I don't know, I don't really things need to come to me, and I'm like, oh fuck, no, I'm, dude, that's the I worst don't have time way. for that shit. I do Kill Tony all the time. It's a very popular podcast that has like yeah. A bunch of comedians who are working and they have aspiring comics come up. They do a minute and the comics give them advice on that minute. And, you know, I had this one guy come up and he just kind of effed his minute through. He just didn't give a shit and he was dressed pretty sloppy and he didn't care. And I'm just like, dude, you don't know what you're walking into. This is not the 70s. Where you could just be a giant cokehead and just show up and they didn't care because they didn't know what they were. Like, dude, I tell people, man, you got to be Wolf of Wall Street with comedy. It's literally Mm. that kind of effort that must be put out. It is must. It is. It is go all the time. Work at the highest level you possibly can. Kill or be killed, man. That's what you're up against. You're up against sharks. You're up against vegans, sober vegans who are showing up and they did yoga, they did meditation, and now they're sitting down and they're writing over and all they think about is pitch, sell, pitch, sell, star, pitch, sell, star. The the fuck around days, and I get it because maybe you're a 21-year-old kid and you just want to drink and screw and have fun and there is something to that. Yeah. That's the life experiences, but just know you're up against sharks. Yeah, I mean, I see it like supply and demand a little bit because there's so many more comedians now than there had to have been 10 years ago just because uh, I'm 31 and the guys that are my age were raised on Comedy Central. Oh, yeah, you guys are totally different than my generation. Right, and it, but it's, it's just because we had that access that the older generations never had. 100%. And so, like, everybody's like, I could do that. And then you kind of half-ass into it, and then you get your shit pushed in, training day style, like Kill Tony, where you just kind of go up there and like... And they're millennials, and they right. just have never been told you're retarded, yeah. and you don't know what the fuck you're doing, and you just see the look on their face, you know? And it's just like... I'm not the greatest. Like I was yeah. in acting classes and you would see these millennials come in, these shiny, pretty millennials, pr- like just gorgeous people. And they got told by the, the, the uh, acting instructor, acting teacher, what are you doing up there? That was horrible. And you just saw a fracture in their skull. <laughs> and then they never came back. They yeah. Never came back. So that's, that's another good uh, kind of 
thing to pull out of this of us just kind of shooting the shit is like being able to take constructive criticism it in uh, fucking creatives are the hardest people to work with in business and i'll tell you from the other side of that the other side of the table is like and you talked about this earlier is like you think your idea is super precious you think this thing's very precious i'm the artist I th- i'm the thing that made this thing happen you couldn't do this without me but you as the artist you get a stranglehold and no i was telling someone this the other day it's like no creative and i work with a lot of graphic designers and you know video people and all this stuff and it's like they can't talk shit to me because i i run in both worlds and i go well yeah i do stand up so you can't really tell me like you need your safe space and all this shit to like get your work done you you fucking figure it out like yeah if you need to carve out four hours turn your phone off and get to work yeah put your goddamn head down and go do it and so my thing is like the creative process don't think like just because you made a logo that you you own that brand forever no that's your job you you own you made that logo you're good at it but at the same time like the person who made the nike logo i'm sure tells everybody how she made the nike logo for art she was an art student or something like that made it for like 75 bucks the swoosh and then they took and ran with it. I'm sure that story's been told a billion times. I'm sure there. she's at the bar all the time drinking another right. shot at noon going, I made that logo. Or it smells like patchouli because it's probably Oregon. And yeah. it's, you know, just at some uh, <laughs> at some uh, farm to table restaurant and just like, hey, who Nike logo right yeah. here. Like, but, but my thing is don't feel precious. These things, I, I almost look at it like a Jewish sense. Like, because uh, Jewish people don't think you can't hold on to these items. You're only here for a little bit on this on this blue marble. So it's like, why would you hold on to all these ideas? Be be someone who creates and just goes, okay, yeah, I was involved in this, but it it's going to be something else by the time it gets to air or by the time even your special where you have a lot of autonomy in what you want to do, you still like you still have to collaborate and you still what's in your head is not actually what may come out in the end. You may go, I want to do a vinyl, and you do the vinyl and you find out, oh shit. If we do this kind of print, if we might do three colors because it's cheaper. So, okay, we, you know, you have to make. You have to be flexible. Right. And so I think a lot of creatives, this is where they fuck themselves up is they don't, they don't go, they go, I'm an artist. And the romantic part of being an artist is that you, and you talked about, that's what you worried about. You're about the show. I'm all about the show. Get me to the show. I, I am the show. I'm the artist. I'm the romantic part of this business. But I never thought about the business side. And there's a way to merge it, like Al Madrigal, which is why I really... I think it's it, very important. Yeah. I would almost tell you, and, and it breaks my heart to say it, but the business side is almost more important than the artist side. I've seen a lot oh, of yeah. people get by on the business side. And because the expectations of the artist side, I feel, is so much lower from the masses. I mean, everybody can yell about the suits and what they're putting out. And it's, well, it's like... What are the consumers buying? They're buying the crap. You know, it's like it's like there's the artists have this high. We want this really high level of yep. art being put out, but the buyer, the buyer, and then the consumer are they just want it down here. So it's right. just like I'm always like I'll listen to anything, and I you just run it through your brain. Is that applicable to what I'm trying to do? Yeah. Does this make it better? Maybe it does. But there's also other things that go on when you're taking notes from people. Yeah. Maybe it's not this project that goes, but if you're easy to work with, they'll work with you on another project. 
Like I got in at Comedy Central. I've been working with these guys. It was very hard for me to pitch to them before. But now because of this, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll hear your other project. Yeah. I, I, I literally have no ego. I, I talk. I'm in this really great doc coming out right now about comedy. It's called Dying. I'm Dying Up Here. Yeah. The book? No, it's a... Uh, it's from the, uh, Not from no, the book, though? No. Dying of Laughter, it's called. Oh, okay. And it's literally the best doc on stand-up comedy you will ever see in your life. Uh-huh. It's, it's, um, it's premiering tonight in L.A. I was supposed to be there. But it's premiering. And it's like I talking in about how... Well, just as good. You're in Tampa doing stand-up. I love it, dude. No, I know. I'll come here a million <laughs> I'm, times. I'm, I'm, I like but to shit like, on us. But, but, you know, it's like I'm burnt wood. Like, this is, like, when I get heckled from people, yeah. like, you're trying to hurt my, there's no feelings to hurt. <laughs> right. It's been, I, it's been, like, clown gangbanged out of me. Like, I just, like, the, f- the the feelings are gone. It's either we're doing this right or we're not doing it right. What do I got to do to make it right, you know? So, like, when I hear people's advice, I'll listen to anybody. Yeah. Like, a lot of young people don't want to listen to people. And it's like, you're going to, I go to people, I go, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you something. You mm-hmm. could either take it now yeah and apply it to what you're doing or in five years go what the fuck why didn't i listen to him mm-hmm. and that's kind of where it's at yeah this is what you gotta do i have a buddy of mine who i think is very funny i'm not gonna say his name but i watched the way he's operating and it's gonna come back and bite him in the ass right and he doesn't i i watch him and i just i i pull him i, I pull him aside i gave him this the greatest advice i ever gave somebody and it's just like, and I'm just saying, cause I, I thought about it. Like, how can I talk to this guy and tell him what he's doing? And how, like, I've seen it happen to me, you mm-hmm. know, in weird mm-hmm. ways I've operated where I've had people who've had, like, I guess when I was young, I was very, uh, you know, cause I was a very like uh, insecure person. I was very, uh, you know, like I just, you know, I just, even as in high school, I was always felt I never got respect and I always had a weird way of operating it. My mm-hmm. dad told me all this shit before and it was a horrible way to deal with people. So I kind of <laughs> took that to Hollywood and I scorched the earth and it was a horrible way to do it. But I always felt like I was treating people, what? well, some people I didn't and it later right. came back to bite me in the ass. Yeah. And it's taken me a while to mend those fences and build that bridge again with them and I have. But it's like, you don't understand, man. People remember how you treat them when they're running around from open mic and backpacks and stuff like that. You know, my whole theory has always been, you don't know who's going to blow up. Right. Like, if you would have gone back, you know, 10, 20, 10 years ago and go, how many people want to put money on Adam Devine's going to be the one that blows up off everybody? I'll take money right now. Anybody who wants to bet on that, nobody would have taken that bet. I did a Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles gig with him. Yeah. I nobody remember, would, we were he, both like, I think both of us were like, that guy sucks <laughs> to each other. Like, both of us were like, eh. And he blew up, and God bless him. No, but you can tell he's funny, but it was like, who knows? You yeah. know, there's a shitload. You, you could probably reel off a thousand funny people that it'll never be a household name. Whitney Cummings. I mean, like, everyone knew she had a great worth at work ethic, but you wouldn't have guessed it. And she blew the fuck. You just don't know who's gonna blow up yeah so you when you treat people like shit yeah you just don't know where they're gonna end up man yeah and that's kind of where it's at so i i just learned to like how to operate with people if people give me sometimes with the suits you got to take what they're saying and realize they don't know what they want right they're just telling you their feelings on the project and how you can apply that to what you're doing and but still make the project the best it can be. You don't want to take every note and just apply it and then just have them walk all over you. You go, you want to be able to go, okay, I hear what you're saying. Let me see if I can do this and still make it the best it can be. Yeah. It's a, it's you're a, a commodity. Yeah. You don't th- yeah. Don't think of it as precious. You're a commodity. They want to take you as a chunk of some unit and they want to maximize the profit potential out of that. 
you know, I, I always tell people this when I when I'm talking to young. How long do we do this? Is, is it, we'll wrap it up in a second. I yeah. mean, I can go for as long as you want. It's up oh, to you. I know. Okay. I know. Oh, dude, <laughs> we can spin a yarn between yeah. both of us. It's not. Uh, that's why we got to keep it to an hour because I, I can. I'll, I'll, we'll go out rant. We'll rant each other. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. The the way I've changed the way I operate in Los Angeles. Yeah. Is I think of myself as McDonald's. Okay. Okay. And this is how does McDonald's make their money? Uh, low cost. Um, everywhere. Uh, they market share. Um, basically, this. They make their money two ways. Okay. Selling hamburgers. Yeah. And selling franchises. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Comics just think of themselves as their jokes as hamburgers, and they're going to make all their money selling hamburgers. Right. I'm like, that's not how it works. Right. You got to sell franchises. Yeah. You got to sell these franchises. These franchises allow you to sell your hamburgers, but without the franchises, you can't sell the hamburgers. So you have to take, you have to be selling TV shows. You have to be selling movie scripts. You have to be selling one hour specials. You have to be, I mean, podcasting's great, but it's like you got to sell everything yeah you got to sell these franchises in order to move these hamburgers yep the only way you get the you know it's like i'm blessed that bob at the comedy at the that the improv has me in there yeah to sell my hamburgers man you know but i got to get more franchises on television so i can play more places so more people come to buy my hamburgers right you got to have more outlets you got to be out there you got to build your brand yeah all that stuff so my so i kind of changed my operations that i stopped pitching shows for me to be in yeah and what i really do is i find people who and this is a little secret i'm giving out but i find people got stuff going on who i just who the industry loves yeah and I help them come up with ideas. And because most of them are really young and don't know what the fuck they're doing. Well, that that's a good thing to do, though, because I, I, what I do is I'll ask. I have a bunch of guys that are 10, 15, 20 years older than me. And I go, hey, man, I know I'm not, I know where we're at right now. We're doing well with our business. But I know that there's going to be a bigger company that needs our consulting work. And I need to be able to call you and, and kind of be a mentor. But it's going to be like, hey, I got this big franchise. I have McDonald's maybe or something that's going to come our way and needs our help on something, some kind of creative or whatever it is. I want to be able to call them and ask for information. You're doing it the other way where you're like, hey, let me help you out. But not in a scummy way because I feel like there's guys that used to do that back in the day where they go, hey, let me help you out. I'll be I'll be the guy. Like that's, that's not the way you're approaching it. You're like, hey, let me tell you how punch-up works and let me tell you how like – I go to them, what do you want to do? And I listen to them and I help them basically create their vision. Right. Because I know how to, how to do it. I've pitched, I've sold and I've done that stuff. So I know how to take what they're doing. Right. You know, and like working with Al changed my vision. He sent me a treatment of, I sent my idea. He sent it back polished, you know, and I got to look at it and think about how to, how to, you know, I work with a friend of mine named Josh Nasser. He's a phenomenal person. He sold a bunch of shows, and you know we sold. He's working with me and Al on this Comedy Central thing, and he helped me sell. And I'm just—he's really good at mining a, a a treatment for a TV show. Yeah, and it's like that's what because it's a buyer's market right now. There's so many outlets, and they're so in competition with each other. They want everything. They just want you to go tell them what they need to buy. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. 
And I think that's a good place to stop. Okay, I started good? comedy in Las Vegas. I did it for a couple of years. I moved to <laughs> LA and I, I got in the comedy store and then I started doing really well. And then I got a TV show. It was called Spike TV and I started touring everywhere. And then I kind of made a mistake. I got into cocaine and I did a lot of cocaine. And for the last seven years, it's kind of been weird. And then for the last couple of years now, I've been kind of kicking ass and going really good. And I work on just writing every day. I do a vision board. I write for 10 minutes about what's going on in my life. And then I put down like the five or six things I want to do this month, this year, this thing. And then I work on that and I write and then I perform and I treat people well and that's a big thing i treat people really nice that's the biggest thing it's like treat people well and it will come back to you and then i you know so now i'm on this podcast yeah i like it i love that you had that just ready to go in the hopper uh thanks for uh doing this anytime law i love you sweat equity man you, yeah you're you're my uh you become fast friends with people and uh, immediately as soon as you stayed in my house uh, i think f- five six years ago when you're doing a one-off gig. I was like, I like this guy. Thanks. He's got a lot of moxie, as they call it in the business. Jen loves anal. Ooh, okay. Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Jennifer. I'm still here. That's how I'm we call back. Here. That's I how was, you call back. In. I was right. hanging in. Thank y'all for listening. A times I, uh, <laughs> Sweat Equity Podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. That's the cheat code that gets us up the uh, rankings. And listen to Punch Drunk Sports. Y'all do like three hours, right? We do two hours. Two hours every... Yeah. Every week, every every week, every uh, Tuesday from noon to two Pacific Standard Time, we d- we record at the All Things Comedy Studio. You can watch live on PunchDrunkSports.com, and um, he's getting heartburn, so he's trying to do his plugs. I, yeah, and it's like, and then I do. I got a new podcast. We're about sixty episodes in. It's called the International Bad Boys Hour, and oh, it's yeah. just an insane storytelling podcast. Like the, cr- I, I want to do a podcast. I go if Quentin Tarantino did a podcast what would it be like Ooh. and we've had some f- awesome people tell some insane stories so i love it's that. me and my friend steve randolph you can find me on everything instagram snapchat i don't snapchat i should do it more but at sam triple t-r-i-p-o-l-i all right it's been uh, sweat equity learn some things share it with a friend i never know how to close out an episode